I've invited you here to discuss something that's very important. We welcome you. Welcome back to Godzilla vs. Podcast Zero. I'm George. Haley, George, how you doing? Pretty great. Yeah, uh, we've got. Well, you know, um, this is going to be an interesting show. I usually start out every show with like, "Wow, we got a great show. We got a great, great pick." This- oh man, they picked this. They picked Mecha Godzilla. They picked. Yeah. You know, this This is one of the... the oh, they picked that comic book. No, nope. so good. No. Not this time. Not this uh, we, should, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we should introduce our guest this week. Yes, I, we're so excited for this guest. Uh, and, and I'm excited to t- tell you about how this came about. Uh, you guys definitely know him from College Humor, mm-hmm. Mike Trapp. Hello. Mike. And Mike... Uh, or Trap. Can I call you? I'm going to call you Trap yes. during this, if that's okay. Please. And Trap, also coming from College Humor, you guys have a new show coming out that is very, very appropriate for this podcast and for all of our listeners. It's called Ultra Megatron Team Go. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's I mean, our live studio that. audience, by the mm-hmm. way. Oh, yeah. yeah. Thank you all, live studio uh, audience. They're yeah. very nice. Yeah, yeah. They're a great, great, great group. Uh, and so basically, it's t- a t- What's your top line of this show? I'm so excited. Yeah. Sure. It's uh, basically if you it, it's a big sort of send up of kaiju mecha genre stuff. And it's like if you imagine uh, the Power Rangers, uh, but they all live inside the mech and they kind of hate each other. Um, and they're, they're like <laughs> dealing with roommate problems. And also God, the machine thing. isn't built very well. And uh, just sort of dealing with day-to-day struggles of like, you know when you're put on a team project with a yes. team that you didn't choose no, yeah, and you sort of have to deal with those problems? Seventh grade school project. Exactly. For me, it was uh-huh. the Shoshone Indians. Yeah. <laughs> that was what it was about. <laughs> yeah, so it's that kind of group that you're forced to be with and only you have to save the world. Uh, uh, well, oh, well, you know what? That may not fit our group. <laughs> Just kidding. That's going to be amazing. I can't wait. And also, uh, I was lucky enough to provide a couple voices on the show. Yeah. So uh, when you guys ch- check it out, which you should definitely do, uh, make sure to, I don't know, listen for a little Haley in there. And do they need they need to subscribe to the network? Yeah, unfortunately, yes. Uh, but the, people love it. But people love it. it it's, uh, the, I subscribe. Uh, it's, um, uh, uh, the show hasn't come out yet. It'll, it'll be coming out in October. Um, if you want a little taste of what the flavor might be like, we released a couple of um, short little web uh, episodes uh, last year, which the longer version is based right. on. And so we'll the- put those up on the Madcast Media. Ooh, yeah. Right. yeah, yeah, We'll link to it on Madcast Media. Um, and uh, Trap, uh, one of the things I really... Um, thought about a lot when I was a kid was when I was playing video games any kind and I don't, this is kind of stupid but every time I played a video game I'm like when is the character going to go to the bathroom how come <laughs> yes. Mario never has to go to the bathroom and I th- I think about he's a this plumber he should know this better than anyone else <laughs> I think about this with like TV cartoons everything so this real life aspect of like the Power Rangers type of like you know Voltron like these yes. guys living in this suit the logistics of the day to day I'm super fascinated by that yeah, yeah. and and it, there's like like again, just like that—that sort of the interpersonal dynamics of those kind. Like, why it's you were randomly selected. It's like you are the chosen of Earth. It's like why should they get along? Why There's should, no reason they should. Absolutely, they should not. They shouldn't get along. It's t- it's a lot, and uh, also it relates weirdly 
to the book that you've chosen. That's <laughs> true. Yeah. A bunch of As soon as I said it out loud, I was like, I wasn't planning on going in this direction, but strangely enough, a segue has presented itself. A segue itself. has presented itself. Now, uh, and and I think the the segue into it, we are going to be discussing <laughs> the third novel by Skipping Mike over by, one and two. by Mark Saracini. Uh-huh. Godzilla at World's End. Bum, yes. bum, 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 bum. I believe it came out in 1998. 1998, uh, that's right. Yes. and uh, Set in the distant year 2000. 2000. <laughs> in, and it's, oh man. And and so, Trap, uh, what led you to choose this book? Yeah, um, yeah so uh, I actually read this book when I was... Oh, gosh, how old was I? Maybe around 12 or so. Um, I was living in Korea at the time, and I was on a military base there. And, I, you know, I was a little nerd who liked to read. And, sure, sure. Uh, there wasn't I mean, a- you were already in the military. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and there wasn't a bookstore on the military base. Um, so I would I would buy my books from the, from the, uh, the exchange. And it was basically like, you know, if... If the army built an airport bookstore, you know, very oh, right, like right, right, right. Okay. you can imagine the selection that's there and the specifically like the sci fi and fantasy sure, uh, sure. section was pretty slim pickings. So I would just kind of go there and just pick something murder, at random. Murder, murder, murder. A lot of like Grisham, yeah, yes, yes, yes. So um, this was one that was like I went there one time and was like, I don't know. This might have been my introduction to Godzilla proper. I was like, I don't really know anything about Godzilla except from just sort of what has seeped naturally into sure. my consciousness just from pop culture. Uh, and but I loved I loved big monsters and collections of monsters. And I was like, all right, an apocalyptic story about a bunch of monsters. I don't have anything better to read uh sure i'll give this a go perfect and uh, i haven't read it since then and i was shocked at how utterly trashy it is. <laughs> how, what a nightmare of a book it, it was yeah, truly pulp. it really was it's pulpy at its finest there's a uh just so you guys know on the cover um there's a, a dirigible flying at about a 45 degree angle uh godzilla is is looking at the dirigible hungrily uh with and, and godzilla's pecs are otherworldly uh, uh, and some oh he yeah. is and here's, here's a frustrating thing about this book <laughs> you look at this cover there's godzilla there's another there's biolante, biolante mm-hmm. emerging from the sea right and there's this dirigible and if you had to guess which of these three things <laughs> had the most information about it in the book i would never say the dirigible in yeah. a million years. Oh, but we yeah. pause the story for like 10 pages to be like here's some dirigible facts and you yes. might be curious how dirigibles yeah. and zeppelins and blimps are different from I, each other that uh, made me laugh <laughs> so fucking hard so much because detail the exposition that the side tangents that this guy goes on when he explains somebody asks if it's a blimp and he literally to trap's point sits down and explains what the deal is on airships and whether they have a structure well, you see, if they had used uh, helium instead of hydrogen, we wouldn't have had the <laughs> Hindenburg disaster. And uh, it just goes on it's and literally on. literally character mansplaining. It's just being like, hey, I saw you mentioned this dirigible. So, like, why don't you shut the fuck up first? Oh, I'm sorry. Can I swear? Probably oh, not. oh, oh, absolutely. No, no, no. no you can't. Wearing is encouraged. Yeah, great. Yeah, Godzilla loves swear. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Godzilla fucking loves we'll swear. That, with was, that was actually Godzilla yelling, <laughs> <Fuck>! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, just just nonstop blimp facts. We're like, it's like, why? What? Tell me more about the monsters. <laughs> yes, exactly. I know. I, it was shocking how in this book of three hundred twenty some pages, the, I mean, the monster pages are yes, three hundred twenty one pages, and and the the <laughs> time with spent with the monsters is. Minimal at best. It, uh, <laughs> it reads like uh, he g- got to page like 250 and then the editor went like, aren't there supposed to be monsters in this? Yeah. Like, oh, crap. 100%. Yeah. 100. He really? spends, just so you guys know, he spends the first 250 pages of this book introducing people. Oh, my God. And it's, giving them full introduction. Oh, nonstop. And then you hear about their inner monologue and what they like, like what they think about certain scenarios. Yeah, like so there they, was, They're one, treated like main characters. Yeah. At, at one point, there was... Uh, uh, there was like this. Uh, uh, they're doing like a teen beat type of segment on like a big news network, and it talks about the cameras, cameraman's inner monologue, where he's hoping that a train doesn't pass by. And I'm like, why do I need to know this? Yeah, I couldn't give less of a shit about this non-character and his concerns about a tra- well, train. Bu- and every time they did that, sorry to interrupt, but I'm I'm passionate. I'm passionate about this. Every time he did that, they did that. I was like, oh, is this a new main character? I started to yeah. start to think yeah. that we're going to follow this person. So I'd start mm-hmm. reading slower to be like, okay, I got to yes. focus up. Exactly. exactly. And then they would go away forever. It was <laughs> it was away. exhausting because you do have that mental energy. You have a limit, a finite amount of mental energy. I've been just reading about ego depletion recently, and Ooh, uh, what is that? Oh, it's fascinating stuff. It's basically it's basically <laughs> where um uh, uh real quick I'll, I'll give you this real fascinating no, no, study. Do. Okay, so they they got these these uh, people into a room like a bunch of college kids, and they said, okay, it's going to be a formal meet and greet. Introduce yourselves, get to know each other, and ask each other some questions. Then afterwards, the scientists just randomly uh, broke them up into two groups and one half of the group they said listen uh you guys everyone write down who you who you liked from the meeting two people uh who you'd like to work with and then randomly they just told half the people that everybody picked them and then randomly they told the other half that nobody picked them Whoa. and then regardless of their answer they just threw their answers away and then they sent them into another room for the actual study of, for them to grade a bunch of cookies like to to review a bunch of cookies and the group they told that everybody wants to work with them they were up uh, you know upbeat uh high in spirits they told them that they couldn't they had to work alone because the groups were full so you know that was controlled for the groups that that, that were positive, um, they said you can eat as many cookies as you want. They ate almost no cookies, and the group that they told nobody picked them, they ate the majority of the cookies. Whoa! I, they emotionally ate the cookies. Yeah, yeah, it was fascinating stuff. So I've been reading about this, and and ego depletion happens in a number of ways, and it also happens when you have to keep things in your mind a lot. But wait, what do the cookies have to do with your ego? Well, no. They, well, you know how when like when people bed. tell you they don't like you, you just go eat a bunch of cookies. So that's I've just like, that, like that's just yeah. okay. Great. I just wanted to make sure I got okay. Yeah, like the that sadness. I wasn't missing some extra thing. Okay, so no, they like just the emotionally sadness and depression emotionally. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of studies like that. And so I'm I'm I I was li- I was reading this book and and when you get introduced to a main character, it's kind of like being introduced to someone at a party. Mm-hmm. You want to know their name. You want to be if it, uh, appear affable. You want to remember details about their lives. And I was doing that with every introduction of a character in this book yes and it yes. was exhausting because you realize after a while i'm like this never ends this is just going to be a non-stop parade of non-characters you literally yeah. need to meet everyone someone from like every continent and because yeah. yep. it's like it's a, this is a world crisis so we better have like a stand-in for each thing it's like you didn't have to do you didn't this. have to do that exactly because then yet yeah, there's there if you follow well, we'll jump into it. We'll jump, we'll jump into it. It sounds like our review on this is not great. Yeah. I think we can all say that Here's each of our... Review. 
<laughs> not a fan of this book. It's not, you know, and it's not even like a like a bad fun read. It's no. kind of just like an exhausting bad it's read. Exhausting. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it really is. Uh, and and so, hey George, do you have like dramatic music? I have a drum roll and I have some booze, and the booze are the audience. So okay, I was gonna say if we have dramatic music, I could read the back of it because I should read the back of it. You know what I do? I you know what I do have some dramatic music, and I'll play that. Okay, okay, great, great. And it's copyright free stuff. This is coming from Incompetech, which everybody knows. I looked at my Incompetech, and yeah, throw them some shout out. You know what I'm saying? Incompetech, you know. Here is some dramatic music. Okay, so here's what this book is about. In the year 2001. Amid the frigid ice fields of the South Pole, a group of teenage science students and a team of U.S. Army Rangers make an eerie discovery. Miles below the surface of Antarctica, a race of ancient crystalline beings has awakened after a million years of frozen slumber. Horrified at finding their world, quote, infected, end quote, with a human plague, these ancient ones create an army of virulent monsters. The evil insect-like Megalon is let loose on Russia. Gigan, a cyborg, lays waste to South America. Manda, a gargantuan snake, invades China. And Hedora, the smog monster, descends on Japan. As Earth becomes a battleground of titanic monsters, the young scientists and soldiers at the bottom of the world must join forces with Godzilla, king of the monsters, to become the last line of defense against a race older than humanity itself. That stuff isn't explained until 300 pages in, you guys. I was going to say, looking at this thing, <laughs> the first paragraph is the first five pages of the book, and everything else is it's the last 50 the pages. Yeah. Okay, great. Yes. Well, like, guys, we're not exaggerating right now. This literally doesn't come up until the very end. If you like end. a second act of rambling facts about what shape an AK-47 is. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, and, oh, and, and Japanese uh, boats and submarines and all sorts of... You know, it's 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 interesting because, like, this is, this is going to be, like, a little, like, reductive and broad. But I remember... I wish I could remember who first, like, put this theory to me. But they were saying that, like, they had this theory that um, all kids are either train kids or dinosaur kids right? you know it's like you're either you're either into like monsters dragons dinosaurs mm. biological things or you're into like trains mechanical big machines things that click and clack metal stuff and i feel like this is a monster book written by a train kid because oh, every that's a great oh, yeah yeah every time it's like it's like how is the sound tech dealing with the sound what? and like wh- how can he tell these guns apart and what's this what's this particular military yeah. vehicle like it's like endless facts about what these machines are like and when i personally just want to know i want to hear about the all the monsters you promised me exactly before we continue uh what's going to be an avalanche of a dump on this book uh (laughs) (laughs) let's say one nice thing each about this (laughs) yeah i do want to sandwich i do want to say the one thing i really did like about this book well the two things i thought the cover did look cool and i I especially like the the foil uh embossed title which is um, as as a kid uh, when you open up a pack of cards your hope like the big, oh, the best yeah. thing you can find is a foil card, and this book has it right on the cover, and you think it's special. It and, feels special, you know. And I will say, my nice thing is that I, I think the description of the monsters when they come out is yeah. pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And actually, when he actually does describe the fights, I was like, okay, that's pretty good. Uh, so yeah, I'll I will give it that. I think as a concept, it's fun. like like as a, like as a, no, but like if you're even like here's the top line logline, right? It's basically it's kind of like, hey, what if Lovecraftian like 
ancient, yeah. like old, uh, like these sort of like beyond comprehension, ancient society, right. inexplicable. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, versus like Godzilla and humanity is like, hey, I can I can get behind that get, as a absolutely. fun idea. That's, what a weird mix of things that would yeah. be fun to see. The only thing that could derail that would be too many <laughs> characters. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's the only. Well, there's <laughs> went, a lot. This yeah. guy, this guy is a master. Trap, uh, we, we, right before we started recording, we start we were talking about. Um, because you know we're we're uh, we're reading this, and I, I I kept thinking like, man, my editor would kill me if I turned in this draft. Like he would, oh my god, tear yeah. me apart. Because I remember reading this thing, and by page like twenty or thirty, I that's a that's I said to myself several times, oh my god. And then I turned <laughs> to see how many pages there were, and I said it in the exact same way. I was like, oh my god, there's just it just goes on, on and on, and on and on. Although I will say this, the intro. You know, the, the, it starts out in the oh, Antarctica, yeah. and, and I thought that was a really neat uh, place to start the, mo- the the book, and it was dramatic because we start they out with a little girl. They fall into, like, this giant, like, the, it starts pretty cool Hollow with, Earth Theory. Yeah, Hollow Earth Theory, where this girl is, this girl gets sucked down into basically a, a sinkhole that goes a mile wide with her dog sled team and her dad, and her dad dies. Yeah, and it starts out, and the dad is dead, and I'm like, okay, and how old is this girl? She's a teenager. So I'm like, well, this is heavy, heavy stuff for her. Right. I thought this was going to be like, oh shit, all right. And I also thought that the author's choice, to, it was like very cynical, but like her inner monologue for a second was was thinking, I should take one of the corpses for my dogs. And yeah, I thought, well, right. who would even think that? That's yeah. a really dark notion. That was a dark, yeah. But I yeah. was like, Real but. Survivalist that, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. And I was like, that could inform this character quite a bit. It was cool. Yeah. The next time we see this character is 300 pages later. <laughs> <laughs> Remember oh, her? Yeah, exactly. She's all grown up now. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of got distracted by the 18 other characters yeah. you introduced. <laughs> well, turns out she's a libertarian think piece. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> sort of think well, tank. Also, just. So, but uh, a little bit about Mark Saracini before you into this, he has managed to quote go. He's he's ghostwritten for Tom Clancy. Mm. Oh, uh-huh. So he made sense that it was at the airport. Mm-hmm. The I mean the air. Uh, you know the, what I'm the army exchange. The, the army yeah. exchange. That's the thing. The airplane gift store. It's basically an airport. Of yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's the other. But but you touched on the other top line thing about this. Uh boy, is this a plug for libertarianism yeah. uh, and outright. Now, you guys might think that we're blowing this out of proportion. If you do, I encourage you to read this book. <laughs> because <laughs> To the, be proven wrong. To be proven yeah. wrong, because this guy quite literally will say one story piece, like, the girl looked up. She was a young genius. She knew she was better than the other people, the people that didn't work hard, the people that used welfare, the people that like he yeah. goes and then it's a two pages of that. It's, it's just be these pages. long it like I mean we were talking before we got in here, but I was like, this is it's like dumber Ayn Rand. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. just like it's this like you'll have these like long stretches where it's like, and now I'm just gonna talk about my political philosophy for a little uh-huh. while. Which is such whiplash for a Godzilla book, because it'll be like it's like the lazy people of America. That's what's ruining this country. Yes. This country used to be great, and then everyone just gave up, I guess. And also, Godzilla destroyed Illinois, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Unemployment's 20%. It was 20% in the book. And then he's like, yes. infrastructure still hasn't been uh, restored in, in it's certain all areas. Clinton. Yeah. And it was, yeah, this they was during the Clinton, the Clinton area, yeah, era. Yeah. Um, it's also nuts, though, too, because like, some of the things in there are like, not, not to 
I, I was about to say, like, not to dwell too long on the politics of the book, but whatever. He does. He he dwells We're in the politics. We're going to end up coming back to it, so you yeah. might as well. But it's like, everywhere. There are things that's like where um, there are moments where he's like bemoaning the fact that it's like, oh, what a government boondoggle. They built all these factories, but then they put all these environmental controls. Yes! Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's like, did you not? In this in this world, wasn't your world just destroyed by Godzilla himself? Yes. An allegory for the dangers of sort of like nuclear and and ecological Absolutely. like problems. Like why? Yeah, I think I think that's probably a good policy to enact. And that's I'm so glad you bring that up, Trap, because it actually made me wonder if this guy was a fucking Godzilla fan. I was like, what? I wouldn't Did be surprised he? if this started off as some other book and then they like sort of put Maybe. a Godzilla skin on top oh, of it. That's or something. Well, that's... So I looked up this guy and this guy fucking writes. Uh, in 19... Okay, so 1998 also released was uh, another Godzilla book. Uh, he Godzilla, wrote all of those, right? Yeah, and he wrote... Uh, so Godzilla 2000 in 1997. Then this came out in 1998. And another one in 1998, the uh, Godzilla Official Compendium. Uh, and then oh. in 1998, also Godzilla versus the Robot Monster. And the, by the way, the Robot Monster is Mecha Godzilla. I don't know why they called it Robot Monster, but uh, <laughs> but this guy has, I think, over 60 books under or 52 books under his. his yeah, uh, he's his written credits. a he's written so much. Ton, a he ton. wrote a SpongeBob SquarePants book, which we have to. I want to oh read and see God. how much like libertarian, like uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and Patrick the Squidward's lead. the hero yeah, of that. <laughs> yeah, and 1997. Six Godzilla saves America, a monster showdown in 3D, and I guess. Hey, it's look, a book. you can write a lot if you never write a second draft. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this guy writes and writes. He wrote Diana, Queen of Hearts. He wrote. Uh, he wrote a, a novel based on Ace Ventura. Yeah, <laughs> he did. Pet Detective. Oh, oh my and gosh. When Nature Calls. Trap. Your theory just got proven. Look at this. He wrote a book called Big Machines, Cars, and Trucks. <laughs> 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 oh, incredible! Oh, wow! The audience you, is going you wild. Absolutely Holy called shit. it. You absolutely Holy called shit, it. Trap. And oh it is a kids' book that came out in 1997. Oh, that is man. hilarious. Oh my <laughs> god! Oh my yeah. god! That's totally it. You're so right. He really because he doesn't care about the di- like. We're all reading it going get to the dinosaurs. Like, and don't you love these trucks? Yeah, we're all the millhouse is going. When is it? Yeah. Get to the fireworks <laughs> factory. <laughs> so, <laughs> so basically. Basically, uh, let's let's. Uh, we, uh, this must sound so scattered to to anyone yeah. listening, but I, I mean, have to does. promise that the experience of reading this is similarly confusing. Oh, and it truly is. It really is. It's a true a skimmer of a summer novel. Let's say that. So uh, when we first, but oh, uh, the other cool thing I thought. That, that I really thought the book did well was that they give sim- they give little symbols of yes. which monsters in which each chapter. Yeah, Ooh, I'm, so a, that cool. I'm a sucker for that. Like, I love that. You start the, ca- the chapter and then you just see this little like a special yeah. little symbol just for this yeah, monster. Just for this monster. It's like, oh, you've categorized it just so. I loved that. Yeah. Okay, so like I definitely was into that. Uh, also, uh, the, so the f- chapter one starts, it's t- chapter one titled Teen Beat. Uh, it starts Saturday, November 11th, 2000 at the World Trade Center, guys. Yeah, it's there's a specter looming over this whole Yeah, there really is. Like, I wondered if this is... I have wondered at length in the past couple of days about how Mark Saracini felt with this book coming out that it's, like, set two years in the future in the World Trade Center. And they come back to the World Trade Center 
many times. And they're like on his office on the 92nd floor of the World Trade Center. And you're like, oh, my God, this is is getting mentioned so much. And they talk about terrorism. It kind of feels like this book caused it. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to I don't want to make any bold claims. here, But I mean, it was so close. It was like two years before, basically two and a half, three years before uh, the incident. So, yeah. Yeah, and then so then he goes. So we've de- we've described Zoe, and then we meet this woman, we or young woman. We meet this teen named Robin Halliday, who he describes inappropriately. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, I read you a little. Okay, remember, a grown man writing about this uh, teen teenager. I I wrote in my notes when we later found out. I was, uh, <laughs> there's there's this long description, and later it's like it, her 18th birthday is coming up, and I wrote in my notes, she's not 18. <laughs> Million <laughs> question marks exactly. I'm sorry. Yeah, go she, ahead. Her, her shapely legs. That's yeah. important to know because yeah. she's not 18, and this is how he describes her. Robin pursed her lips and rolled her eyes as she grabbed the material of her dress, pulling the provocative slit in her retro 1980s ankle-length Betsy Johnson skirt closed to cover her shapely legs. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah go on, Haley. <laughs> Tell me more about her shapely legs. <laughs> Hope we're ready for the SAT. <laughs> Teen beat. I'll tune in to that. <laughs> and then I love that he goes. She, they, they, the, the, her producer wants her to be more moderate. And this is the part where I was yeah. like, oh boy. He's does he hang out with does he know girls? Uh, well, he clearly is married and stuff. But this is this is what he says. The the producer wants her to be more uh, modest, and she goes in her mind. She goes, "Deal with it." She mentally told him, "I've got to get you more young men watching the show." <laughs> so, uh, nope, that's not a thing I do. I did when I was a teenager. Like, no, yeah, you don't. The, it goes on like at length to be like it's like, hey, she knew if she had to capture that young male demo, she'd have to show a show little skin, a, yeah. and maybe she was willing to do it because that's what. It takes and it's exactly. like Jesus like, Christ. He keeps going back. He's like her pouty lips are getting. They put gloss on her pouty lips. Her pouty pouty lips. It's, it's incredible to have total control over how a character is described and then simultaneously slut shame that character. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, it's like you can do whatever you want, man. Like you don't. <laughs> Like Tommy Wiseau in the room. Yeah. Where he yeah. just like constantly says, You're for Lisa. Yeah. <laughs> you did this to me, Lisa. Lisa. How could why? you, Lisa? <laughs> it's like, and then, yeah, because she's, she talks to this guy, to Peter. By the way, so then she meets, we meet, we start meeting, um, She's she's she hosts a teen beat hour on the independent news network, INN. And she meets, she goes live with all of these teen geniuses mm-hmm. all right there's a t- there's and so she uh, starts and first she goes to uh she goes to peter blackwater who is a native american and that is how he's described for the rest of the book yeah. huh? as a native american every time he describes him he goes his native american skin <laughs> blah 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 <laughs> uh and and that guy is growing he has figured out how to grow plants in cold climates in half the time giant wheat giant, giant wheat <laughs> giant wheat it towers over him and i it was towers, like wow, yeah. this? he's an inuit weed? yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's an inuit that wanted to plant plant some wheat yeah uh and then she goes they go to oxnard california where we uh where we meet lena sims a computer genius mm-hmm. but she builds co- and listen guys this is going to be a huge point of contention for this author throughout the story she makes computers. She doesn't hack them, and there's a difference. Okay, <laughs> again, machines. You know, again. <laughs> let's get into the nitty gritty about the machines. Gritty. It becomes a bigger plot point than some might say. 
the monsters. Um, <laughs> she asks if also everybody's mom is dead. Yes. Yeah. Everybody's mom is dead. I, I wrote notes to myself, but I didn't put a lot of context with them. So that's sometimes fair. you'll say things can... and I'll be like, that's why I wrote this down. I wrote, uh, just going to bring up your dead dad. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, that's because right. Because part of this is like, it's like, hey, we're going to bounce and we're going to do interviews, going to talk to like all these brilliant uh, ex- exemplary teens. And in one of them... Uh, uh, like that's like, what she, it's within Selena. the world of the interview. It's she just says, sort of like quote. I think this is the exact passage. So Lena's face clouded. Yes, she muttered. He he taught me a lot. I understand that he passed away recently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so tone deaf. Like, that's just like in her notes. She's like, so your father passed away. Yeah. Fun yeah. facts I have about Selena. <laughs> Can you imagine like just the 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 talk show like grinding to a halt as they just sit there awkwardly for a second and go through that emotional moment. Yeah. Well, anyway, tell me more about your project. This is fun, Teen Beat, huh? Yeah, that's, yeah exactly. <laughs> so then she goes to Ned. Ned is Ned's an oceanographer, and but he is he's like a totally tubular dude with long blonde. He has quote beach boy good looks, and he has to and he does his interview in a wetsuit. Yeah, as your and he discovered a bunch of new species. And and, and, before, and uh, just this is an example of the exposition. He constantly like for a page and a half he goes on about how this guy's got an itch in his wet wetsuit. Yes. And, or he's got to scratch he's got to scratch this itch and it goes on and finally he gets it and I'm like I'm thinking about that a lot and I'm like well is this going to come this up gonna again? Is going to play out? Is this, this going to Do I need to know this? I mean if you have an issue with like will this itch come back? I mean like You've you've built a world where it's like, hey, these are basically superpower teens. They're super geniuses. They've got these very particular abilities. And yeah. like, it's like you're an engineer. You're a hacker. You're a this. Yeah, and kind of an umbrella. They never academy. use like any of those. No, no. Oh like, my god! Like even if you're like building up this thing, it's like you have superpower. You're basically superpowers. How smart you are, and you would think that those would come into play. Never do. They never do. This is this drove me crazy because I thought immediately when they introduced Peter Blackwater (laughs) with the plant thing, I was like, he's going to do something to take down Biollante later. It's basically like, hey, you want to see my aunt, my, my my Chekhov's gun collection? Yes, exactly. I never take it out of the case. I look at them all. So many guns I have. Yeah. Yeah. locked away, never mm-hmm. to be opened. Anyway, look at this blimp. Wait, that's not a blimp. Yeah. Every page of Chekhov's gun. Yeah. <laughs> Another Chekhov's gun that gets thrown into the non-use bin. Yeah. yeah. Um, then the, then we meet Michael, who is in Queens, and uh, he's in a wheelchair. Uh, and boy, does this author love the wheelchair. Um, because <laughs> it, it's, I mean, I guess in his defense, right? Like you've introduced so many characters. That's true. It becomes this sort of thing where it's like, it's like, I am, I am defining each of you by like your race or, uh, right. or like a differently able thing. Or like, it's like, it's like, I'm choosing one thing. And like, every time you're going to be reintroduced again, it's like, just to remind you, that was the guy in the wheelchair. Okay. We're moving okay, on we're, now. We're coming back. Like, this is right. of, the, of the Burger King kid. Yeah. The- <laughs> it truly is a Burger <laughs> King really kid. Yeah, uh, it really is. It really is. And so, and he literally, I mean, you're right. You're right. I'm being a little hard on him. I guess it's because I'm looking at this one specific passage in which she says he's a hacker in which Robin says, so I guess Internet pirates should beware as long as Michael Sullivan is there. 
They should, Michael agreed, doing a victory circle in his wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as one does. As one does. Yeah, you're doing yeah. an interview in your wheelchair and you're like, yeah. yeah. Like, like, I mean, I support that if that's what you want to do. I just don't know I any friends. I've never seen that, that before. Yeah, exactly. I've never seen it. And I imagine it being really awkward and and just like slow for a minute. Yeah. Like yeah. they're just like t- kind of turning in. Uh, right, because he's also maybe like interview rooms aren't that big. But I, I will I will say this to Mark's credit. Um, some of these like characters he just kind of throws out there with these like little subplots this hacker thing he talks about this um how he basically there were some hackers who he had to get into the the credit card companies right to get some information i actually thought that was pretty cool yeah, yeah. it was a really cool like subplot where i mean that went nowhere and never got brought up again but um <laughs> <laughs> where where <clears throat> where hackers were getting into these credit card companies, taking a bunch of money from people, leaving it in their bank accounts for one month, and then returning it, and then just collecting the interest. And then if they do that tens of thousands of times, they get quite a bit of money, but it never registers as stolen because the money's returned. Returned. So Which I thought is that, great. I thought that's a really cool, like, office... That's a good scam. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's a great scam. And I thought, for sure, I'm so glad you brought that up, I thought that, that really had me hooked into the book, and yeah. I was like, I can't wait till this comes back. Yes, but it was interesting. It didn't. And it, away it went into the sky like a dirigible. <laughs> <laughs> or like a Zeppelin or a blimp. <laughs> and so so we meet all these people. And then we go into what can only be described as a bizarre descent into a manifesto. Uh, this yes. is called Rebuild America is chapter two. <laughs> and literally, uh, it, it just starts talking about how uh, th- there's this guy that fun- is funding this big Zeppelin that we're going to get into. Mycroft E. Endicott, the principal owner, CEO and president of the Independent News Network, uh, who Raman works for. And he is angry about the rebuilding of America after Godzilla's first attacks, which would happen in the first two books. Uh, and this is, I, I, let me just read two, two quick passages so that we were on the same page about how ridiculous this is. The president, okay, this is from, from, uh, Endicott. The president, that's your boss, wasted billions of taxpayer dollars. Not once, but twice. First, by rebuilding the industrial sites in too big a hurry. Then, at the instigation of his inept, ecology-obsessed vice president, <laughs> by enacting environmental control laws that made those brand new factories inoperable. Unless, of course, billions more tax dollars are wasted on further renovations. <laughs> Holy shit. What the fuck happened What's here? the worst that could happen with some kind of, I don't know, loose nuclear policy? Exactly. Or if we're, oh, oh we're just going to make these factories clean up all day long, what's going to happen? The Amazon's gonna light on fire. <laughs> you guys, you guys know those onion uh, political cartoons they do, yes. like yeah. the parodies, like you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, like the Kelly guy, where it just shows like some poor American who's always getting taken advantage of. Yeah, and yeah. This, I can imagine that character being like the poor American guy, and then the the yeah. mean evil ecologist coming in, like ah, billions more dollars, and then the, the, give the, me more <laughs> to protect the forest. Yeah, yeah, more uh, ecology, more like peak. Ecology, and then that—that's <laughs> like it does seem like it does seem like just a weird uh, far right libertarian rant out of nowhere. It seems like it. It seems, it seems like it until you get to a real one <laughs> <laughs> on page thirty-seven. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Until you get to page thirty-seven, in which he says. 
If only the government let the private sector and the common people alone to deal with their problems, Endicott thought bitterly. People know what is best for them. Government does not. Mm-hmm. Instead... <laughs> That was my favorite line. I, it kept like it kept ringing in my head. I'll tell you. I'll, I'll let you finish, but go on. Yeah. It's so, instead, the administration grabbed more power than it deserved, and much more than it could handle. And just look at the result. Oh boy. Oh, okay. I've this is this is a <laughs> manifesto in a sentence. Like this yes. is this is the the slogan of like you know the libertarian cause, and it's it very is. much like you know um, people know what's best for them, not government. And I'm like. Thinking, I'm just, I was riding my bike earlier today and, uh, you know, because I know what's best for me. And, uh, and I was thinking of all the dipshits I know in my life and all the mistakes they make and just the number of people who are overweight, their kids are inept, the parents who um, through one one way or another have neglected their children who end up becoming yeah. mass shooters, uh, the the number of people who become terrible drug addicts and these, and I'm like, so so people, people are infallible. Whereas government is not, uh, but which is, by the way, the same the same type of people. I, I I don't tend to, you know, I don't want to turn this into a big political thing, but like he brings it up so much, so in, this, much. in this book, it's hard to avoid. Yeah, it's always, and I'm thinking, and like, you said it like you said earlier, you're like government. What it government is people? Yeah, it's people the same are people. government. Like the just as inept as they are in their day to day lives. Yeah, you're gonna also find some incompetence and ineptness in government as well. It, to take it like sort of like. To take a step back to, um, if we wanted to be like, okay, like you've got the political philosophy here, you got this, you're 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 doing this thing. If we're just looking from a pure like story perspective, right, and like, and, like plot, it's like, uh, like if there's ever a time, if, if even if you're like, it's like I am staunchly opposed to government intervention and blah blah blah. If there's ever a time for it, surely it's after Godzilla has leveled a city. Surely, Literally. like natural disasters, like hey, that's the time to be like, hey, maybe we pool our resources and like go fix this go thing. Fi- and they- do and they did that's the funny thing that this guy ever i mean listen i was george knows i was libertarian for a while i'm from a red area and i you know whatever uh but it's very funny how like how often i would overlook it and obviously this guy does that like you know they they he stands very hard for defense, right? He's like, the military is defense and that's what it's supposed to be. But it's like, yeah, well, the government and the military ended up coming in to like feed people, help people, et cetera, in this book. So what's it's so government's bad? <laughs> like, hold on. Well, the argument is for from like a libertarian perspective, generally speaking, right. which I go, of course, I could think, God forbid I say anything concrete about their philosophy. But um, for generally, <laughs> generally like, I, have, I, can, I can already <laughs> hear the typing. I, yeah, I know, yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. oh, I feel it. <laughs> uh, uh, George, actually, uh, actually, um, uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it. I don't give a shit. I, yeah, uh, I don't fucking care anymore. Yeah, I used whatever. to think this way. And I'm uh, like, oh. Yeah, but they're, they're you know, uh, their argument is so generally their argument is that the government's function should be to protect us and our our interests our national interests and that generally comes down to military now telling Haley before this i'm like well you can easily make the case that the value of a country is the net sum of its of its gdp of its output of its economy and if you if you do something to harm the economy that threat can come externally or internally if a company does something to harm our economy then you could make the case that it is the government's responsibility to step in and put that company you know in in place get them in line and that's when regulation the big evil regulation comes in so you know it's it's all the same goal in the end but then it's just 
yeah. differs on how how like they only view regulation and government value in military and like to your point trap this is exactly the type of situation that they would argue that government intervention is necessary to stop a giant monster from destroying <laughs> exactly. your cities you're leveling your cities it's like the the like if not now when <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it's so i i don't know it just it's very and but you know what this was now to give it a little context though 1998 was at the end of uh closing out uh clinton's second term uh there we had a there were more social programs there was like a lot of social programs in in uh play at the time and there was an industry that was rising which was the internet so there was a lot of libertarian uh thinking happening because the, the internet was the wild west and it was burgeoning and it, it felt lawless and and it felt like people felt like it needed room to grow that was the was so the dot-com bubble happened either during clinton or right after was yeah, it right it was, after it was during clinton and then it bu- and then it busted uh as he stepped off the titanic right and by the way so this is <laughs> <laughs> this is this is something that's fascinating to our to our younger listeners. Anyone who's like you know twenty or younger, um, you probably don't have the context or the frame of reference. But there was there was a dot com bubble where there were so many websites, so many companies just so throwing many. crazy money into it. Was like dot com. Remember mm-hmm. the mascot got recruited over to a different site. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The scandal, the drama. Oh, oh there God, were so many. Off. I remember someone created, and this is like this would be hilarious to see today, um, especially for because the old context is lost. But they made like a big parade of. All the companies and all the dot coms that went under, and in just one year, it was like tens of thousands. It was an insane amount of dot coms that yeah. went under. And these were these weren't just like you know fly by night companies. These were com- these were like investors were throwing millions of dollars behind these IPs. Right, it that was, went nowhere. It was really yeah. It was very much like the the housing crisis that ensued. Uh, coming later and and i remember in my neighborhood because i'm from uh denver that ended up getting a boom after during that dot-com bubble and so it was all like a whole mcmansion neighborhood got built next to my very old neighborhood and all of these people you know moved into it and then like a ton of those people like lost their houses after that because they were all making that type of money and they bought these huge houses they couldn't keep and stuff like that so that was kind of like the uh I'll say the, the precursor, one of the tremors leading into uh, Clinton wasn't as good at economics as he said he was. <laughs> yeah, so so look at look at what Mark has done to us. We have gone on yeah, you big did political it? tangent. Sarasuni? And what page well, are we that, on? By but the that way? is like, like <laughs> you know what? If you want to write your 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 like your 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 Atlas shrugged. If you want to write your your, your like libertarian creed i'm not gonna stop you i don't know if like the godzilla apocalypse book is like the place no. where this really Absolutely, fits it, like right. thematically that's, yeah thematically let, it doesn't add up because the government re- becomes very necessary like you're saying let yeah. the themes reflect the story you know come on hey that's come it. on mark let's let, let's think about this for exactly a second. and uh also also when he uh we later meet oh god we start meeting other people we, <laughs> oh, we just keep meeting people we, keep, we, meet, we meet nick gordon uh and 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 robin calls him a hunk so i guess he's my hunk of the book because hey. robin called him a hunk i have a, always have a hunk of the movie trap kind of slim pickings uh, yeah well but apparently nick is a hunk according <laughs> to page 68 so that's what it is and uh and and she and in classic teenage girl mode, she says, another reason this hunk is still available. Well, I can play that game too, Nick Gordon. 
And then she says a second later, it's not like Nick, it's not like Nick to be generous. He must have found some other hot news story I'm probably missing. So you can feel, you can feel the journalistic competition happening. Mm -hmm. Professional tension. Yes, professional tension. What's going to happen? And Godzilla comes up, Godzilla comes up on page 54 for the first time and I this was my other clue that maybe Mark Saracini wasn't that big of a Godzilla fan. There's several times where he basically writes out what the kaiju are doing and uses the words inexplicably. Like he's like yeah. <laughs> he's like it inexplicably waved its arms around. <laughs> like, like he just walked. I've re- reviewed the footage. And yeah. It seems like a lot of times they just sort of <laughs> stopping. Like they're a man in a rubber suit or something. I don't know. <laughs> and and Haley at one point too, I noticed uh because uh, we we read the same copy and Haley made some notes and she and there was a part where he describes Godzilla's head peeking up above the water like a feline. Yeah, he says that. And I'm like, like, hmm, <laughs> like a feline? I have never you thought know about how cats that. are always lurking <laughs> underwater. <laughs> yeah, like an alligator, maybe? That's the closest thing I could think well, of. Well, and that's the thing. I looked up Mark Saracini. I was curious about this man yeah. all these 20, almost 20 years, or over 20 years later, and he loves cats. And I love cats, so I actually kind of liked that part. I was like, yeah, maybe Godzilla is a cat. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He also, um, you know, to to the point of like not being necessarily a Godzilla fan. Oh, uh, you know, uh, uh, you guys both as as writers probably recognize patterns in writers. And this, I recognized Mm. several in his writing style. He always referred to the monster's mouth as his maw. His maw. It was always his maw. And and never his maw. And Godzilla has pause in the yeah. legend. Yeah. That's the other thing. I was like, Godzilla doesn't have fucking... Who has ever heard He's God- a big cat, right? <laughs> yeah. And, he, and Godzilla opened his mouth and yelled, Meow! <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah, there are definitely like a lot of... like Even like... I mean, like he uses the word shapely legs a couple of times. Oh yeah. And, Into the shapely and really legs. loves describing people's eye colors, which is mm-hmm. almost always green. Yes. Um, there were... Def- and like... <laughs> he even defined one of the like a major or some some army sergeant or something later on in the in the uh, book where he he defined him by his eyes and then he gave him a nickname based on his eyes because yes. his eyes were so startling. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's right. It was like Greenly or something. His eyes because his eyes were so green and startling, so they called him Greenly. I think it was bright eyes. Oh, it was oh, bright eyes. Bright eyes. Yeah, that's bright eyes. Yeah, yeah, that's bright, right. He yeah. was bright eyes when he goes into when they go to Peru and discuss the. Oh, but I yeah. Well, we'll get to that. Uh, there's I, my one of my favorite things is that he goes into like clearly Saracini has been to Peru mm-hmm. or studied Peru <laughs> and never Chile, never once <laughs> because he goes down to Chile when they fly over Chile. They're like. Ah, they're over the thick jungle of Chile. And I was like, there's literally no jungle in Chile. I've been all over Chile. Uh, (laughs) I have been in every single major city. At the top of Chile is a desert. (laughs) At the bottom is mountains. (laughs) Talking about patterns, too, and like being in Peru and uh, traveling around. Like, uh, almost any time, any, uh, any structure gets destroyed in this book he um he takes like a moment to sort of pour one out for the architecture you know it's sort of like it's like "Ah, this ancient city this beautiful ancient city now destroyed um and like it it's sort of no concern for the people but like anytime it's like wow wow think of the history lost think of that history you know that's funny that's very ayn rand i will say this though so two two things that 
<clears throat> oh man, this is the worst. <laughs> He's getting um, choked up, everybody. Yeah. Two two things. Uh, I did see Echo in Modern Godzilla, which is the Hollow Earth thing, which came back into uh, Godzilla King of All Monsters because yeah. that Hollow Earth series uh, was maintained. Yeah, and I then, thought that was cool. Yeah, and the second thing is in Godzilla King of All Monsters, I remember telling Haley like near the end of the movie, um, you find like this hidden like internal city this deep atlantean type type city with this amazing architecture in this world that gets immediately destroyed and i did have that same moment as uh, mark yeah. did where i thought wow what a loss this would yeah, be such a fun place so i did i did actually i do relate to that i, I mean i, I get like that i get it uh because it, it is like and it's sad to see like historic things destroyed i did just think it was like an because I, I think it's even like literally the same phrase I, I wish i had like a kindle copy of this so i could search for some of these phrases yeah i feel like it was the same time it's like this ancient city was used like so many times. It really was. He really like the, the, he really goes into like the the Peruvian city that's a thousand years old. Da, 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 and this ancient and I I like that. Yeah, to some degree, it just gets he gets really. It just it feels like he was like oh, I got really into this chapter in my encyclopedia. Like <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know. It's yeah. It's very weird. But but he does use the Antarctica. I thought initially right away I was like oh cool he's using Antarctica and for like a chunk of the beginning of this book I thought maybe King of the Monsters used some of this as inspiration until we get in uh, a Zeppelin mm-hmm. until we get into a Zeppelin uh, which is happening right now because what happened is. So Endicott, uh, the Endicott, the uh, the great uh, philanthropist, entrepreneur, and captain of industry is going to put all of these g- genius students on an airship and send it south from New York to Antarctica. Wait, where are they going? Uh, they are going to the Antarctic. Okay. They are. Okay. okay. It's an extended voyage that's going to go to the Antarctic. So that is the original place. But I guess after they hit Peru and everything shit's hitting the fan, there's a d- question about whether they should keep continuing. Um, so they they take off uh, and and some people are scared of flying. We've got we've got about Five million scientists, each one more scientific <laughs> than the last, and <laughs> and then we have we go to Antarctica. There's some scientists down there, and and now this hole is like miles wide, and uh and they know that airships going over it are disappearing. Uh, like, airplanes, or, airplanes. Sorry, airplanes. Airplanes. This is important because the airships they don't think will have the same because airships <laughs> and airplanes are different. Uh, yeah, let me explain uh, yeah. the difference between the airships. The thing is, yeah, this becomes important because later a blimp is able to somehow get over the hole and take pictures, whereas all the planes disappear. And he justifies it by saying that it, it's because they're buoyed with air inside instead, which literally makes no sense. Did they ever just I I like my mind went to it's like oh there is like a a an intelligent malevolent force within within the pit that is like bringing these things down but now that I think about it I don't know if that was ever Oh it's never like yeah, brought, it, it's never explained like why the planes and not the not the zeppelin No it, they it's like he gives like a he gives the kind of solution I give on a very first draft of something <laughs> when I'm against the wall and I know the note is going to be that's kind of a schlocky solution yeah. really and I'm going to have to revise it yep. and fix it and give it something satisfying um, a wizard they did it. Went with it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, a wizard did it exactly. I definitely. Uh, yeah. He. I mean, it kind of gives an explanation that the air is like I don't know, but it doesn't make any sense. Um, and and 
Uh, so then we the, we know that um, shit starts hitting. So shit starts hitting the fan. So Godzilla has has come up uh, uh, at one point and he's he's opened his great maw. And uh, <laughs> oh, surprising uh, use of words there. Exactly. Uh, and this is uh, the Russians. But there's some Russians. There's a cap, a Japanese captain. God knows. What's I can happening. see you getting tired as you're. Yeah, yeah. Just just like, just like, so this part again. This is like another one of those parts where I was still invested, and I I followed very closely to just to learn that the entire submarine crew gets destroyed by the end of the chapter. Yep. But um, yeah. Yep. So yep. so I'm learning these characters' names. I'm like, wow, this guy's real brave. He's going out there. So so this is by the way, this is page fifty three, the first uh, appearance of Godzilla in yeah. the book. Yeah. The actual appearance, not just a reference, but this is the first time you see Godzilla in the book and this is a pretty action pack i was really i thought uh, that was great i was like yeah i was on the i was on the edge i was like this is really interesting because they were trying to get a sample of his tissue and blood i think and they shot yeah. which is a cool idea yeah. I think. Idea like we gotta too. hunt godzilla a little bit to like yeah get and, and do something with him. Yeah. yeah yeah and the device that he used was really fascinating cool. it was it was basically like a harpoon that had kind of like a tube inside of it so the harpoon so they could pump the blood out. yeah so they could pump it so it would hit godzilla and then they would turn on the pumps inside the submarine and then like start sucking out out, uh, you know, uh, materials from Godzilla. And um, at one point, Godzilla, uh, you know, is getting pissed off and he starts going underwater and he's starting to drag the submarine with him. So he tells, the captain tells one of the crewmen to go outside and cut the cable. And he right. goes, sir, I can't. It's it's solid titanium. And he goes, I don't give a shit. Go out there and cut the cut the cable. And he grabs an axe, you know, like a like a true soul. I'm like, this is a brave guy. I'm yeah, fascinated by it. Yeah, Yeah, and so this is like a really interesting dichotomy in this character because he's like, he's scared shitless, but he's still, he's got to do his duty. So he goes out there with his, with his axe and it quickly breaks. He goes back inside. So like, you know, he failed and then the submarine gets destroyed shortly <laughs> thereafter. But they did collect a sample and this, and this mission was so important that the sample raises to the top of the ocean yep. with like airbags or something like that. Yeah, it it's, has like a little like air feature that bu- buoys it up. Yeah, with, with like a GPS tracker so that the government, uh, you know, either the NGO or the the government comes by and picks up the sample. Right. It's that important. And what are they going to do with that, George? They're going to, uh... <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, you know how this becomes a very crucial plot point for for later in the book. Uh, yeah, I don't think it came up again. Nope, never comes up. Never, no. I thought it was great too, and then it never. And then these soldiers are just and what a like, perfect like MacGuffin, like what a perfect yeah. thing to be like. MacGuffin. It's like we worked for this, we strived for this, we died for this, got this thing. And it's like, and you can invent some scientific mumbo jumbo to be like, ah, sure. oh, like the flesh of yeah. Godzilla. We can use this for something. And just like, and even the last, well, the last line in the chapter is the last like paragraph is talking about the um, the duty and to commitment and uh, the, the commitment to their duty these these soldiers had. And then the last line even talks about the captain's own sacrifice. And he says he knew that this mission. Oh, was yeah. worth it even more important at, than his life more important than his life and yes. i remember th- reading that and thinking wow that's a really powerful and then they never come up again you're never they are never heard of it and then i didn't even realize like this uh, this whole thing didn't come up again yep they definitely die it's, it's they ridiculous. die they all die right they, die. Yeah, they yeah. all they die get, and they get like am i misremembering this do they get like shot down they get like destroyed by the government like d- like the helicopter that picks up the sample destroys the submarine no they when the helicopter came by they already saw that there was there debris was corpses. and corpses in the water Got he it. says corpse you what you're thinking of is the other one okay later, great. yes where <laughs> sean brenahan or something like that gets he's like working on a ship and gets off on the lifeboat and they're trying to kill him because there's they're trading plutonium yeah and that 
<laughs> it's it's so funny to it's so funny for me to imagine anyone listening to this. <laughs> like, you start, I, like you're because I I I was like I, I want to get us uh, early start on this. I want to make sure I have it read by the time the podcast right, comes. Right, right. So I finished reading this a couple weeks ago, and like I've forgotten some stuff yeah. already. And so like to be reminded, like I was like, oh yeah, the plutonium. I was like Christ, there was there was so much happening, so and right. none of it end. It was like none of it. It's dies. like an excitable five year old who was like, and then this happened, and then this happened, and, 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 and then yeah. he pushed me. It's like what happened? Why? I don't. Okay, now I'm gonna know. move now on to the on next the thing. Yeah. <laughs> what? It's this. This whole book is nothing but beginnings and middles. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing. Nothing ever concludes. And nothing ever hard. comes back. Yeah, yeah. That's a, it's like it's like a, it's like a Big Mac with no bottom bun. Yeah, <laughs> just slide <Yep>. around. <laughs> there you go. And your hands are a little dirty afterwards. You're not happy. You're not happy you ate it. Uh, no spoon for the flurry. You know, I will say this though. I I pulled up the Amazon reviews of this book, and they're they're, all it's like, they're mostly positive, and and, and they, people like this. This one this one review uh, by a guy named Ogozel, Ogozelek. He says multiple monsters in a magnificent book. And the last line he says a nice book that makes you wish you could read it and hold a bowl of popcorn at the same time. Lol. And then <laughs> and then this this is my favorite. You're gonna read my favorite review. Oh well, uh, this this guy uh, yeah Jonathan McCollum says I love this book. I used to borrow this from a school library. Hell, there were many times where I was gonna lie and say I lost the book. I'm willing to buy it from you to the school librarian, but that wasn't fair. So I bought my own copy. Hell, in case of my first one is ever lost or destroyed, I'll have a backup copy. <laughs> and then the t- the the title of the review is I own the book. <laughs> <laughs> Which one's your favorite? Uh, My favorite one is. I I while you're coughing, (laughs) I'll talk while you're coughing. That's good audio, right? Um, That's perfect. I I love uh, I love a review uh, talking about how much they love a libertarian screed that they got from a library. (laughs) Yeah. Where where he was going to lie and keep it just so he could own a copy of the book, yeah. and he felt that was important enough to mention in an Amazon review. That's he's willing to sacrifice his morals just so that he can own this book a little bit longer. Here's here's a review. It's a three star by Steve V, and he actually echoes a lot of our criticisms of the book. He says uh, his second point was there are a ton of monsters, and unfortunately, they don't get mentioned much. Uh, they don't get much attention, nor do they warrant it. <laughs> by the end, Godzilla gets his share of time, and Biollante is good as the big bad at the end, but monsters like Batra and the Smug Monster hardly do anything. While I can't say the book is worth looking into for fans of the high li- of high literature, kaiju fans should be surprised by Sarasani's dedication to bringing the monsters to life. Even in the less than perfect entry, his passions show through. Mild recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> okay, I found, I found mine. <laughs> okay. All right, this one's my favorite. It's from Trace Stevens. February 10th, 2002. When I first started reading this book, I couldn't stop. But before I could finish, my dog tore it to shreds. (laughs) So for for over a year, I've... I've been reading online summaries of the book to make this review. Oh my gosh. He gives it five stars. (laughs) And the title of his review is not quite finished. <laughs> God, that review raises so many questions. <laughs> There's another review. Uh, 
this is my second favorite book. And he says, if you're a Godzilla fan, you'll love this book. Otherwise, it will be not bad and not good. <laughs> but every single sentence, what's your what's your first favorite book? There's almost a weird poetry to that that does make me understand this book. You know, it's sort of like it's like, yeah, yeah. it is not good and not bad. And yeah. I guess if you like Godzilla, Godzilla's in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's definitely not going to be your favorite book, no matter what. But maybe you'll find something to like in here. <laughs> so curious what his favorite book oh is. Oh my god, that's so true. And that was written yeah. November 6, 1998. So this person rushed and bought a copy They were when like, it I gotta get out. this, I gotta get it. By the way, then it, we, uh, just so you guys know, these kids are all on this ship. It's also the first mate of the ship is another girl who's, oh no, her dad created the ship or something. Mm-hmm. And then she's steering it. Her name is like Shelly. Excuse me, she is just as responsible for the creation of the ship as her dad is. Oh yeah, is. that's right. And, they did go and that, is, that is an important point. That <laughs> oh, she is the, not living in her father's shadow. That's and that, true. that she needs to take uh, credit for her own accomplishments. Oh boy. That, now, and you know what I like to call that? A shoehorned arc. Because it's going to come back in a weird way. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing that will come back. That's true. And yeah. it's going to tell us that it's going to give us a feeling of discomfort that says, this is done now. Later. <laughs> it's... it's... I, I like I don't know how much you uh, I I know like every time I say something it's like I'm just jumping ahead or doing a broad point no no, no or it's fine I think we 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 should jump yeah, ahead yeah good. just yeah. jump ahead um but like there's a part of it that is like kind of just sad from this because there I can see within it like the kernels of good ideas yeah. and uh, like if you did take that all that stuff that happens in in it's generous to call it a third act, but that happens in the last 50 pages um, where like you, you, you do see the monsters and we do get like, a, you, and there's, that's a, there's an attempt at these, sh- at these, at these character arcs, even if they are shoehorned in, it's like, if we could have had a book that was about like, let's see, let's see that, let's see the second act, right? Let's, let's see the moment let's, where yeah. all these monsters have utterly destroyed the world and there's like no hope left for humanity right. and the only thing that can save them is Godzilla coming into wreck shit. Absolutely. But like, you need that moment of feeling like, oh wow, things are pretty bleak. They're bleak all over. There's way too many monsters for us to ed- ever do anything about. The only people who are even like mobile and have electricity is this one dirigible and they're like you know they're hamstrung in some way like you can see the you outlines feel- of an interesting absolutely if they stuck there. with those kids honestly if they stuck with the kids that'd be fine if they if all the responses to other areas were that uh the, was just hearing about them and like or playing a video instead of introducing us to whoever saw these monsters as they come up then this would be a really effective book actually i think but what happens is is like for example at the beginning you meet zoe she falls in this hole she sees um the pods of biolante come up oh biolante's happening right so then and then later we hear gigan is 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 taking off gigan takes off he also comes out of antarctica doesn't he does gigan come out of antarctica? it's a little unexplained where a lot of he these but i think megalon comes out of i think Peru. the the Im- implication is that all these monsters are coming out of 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 like the source is Antarctica, but they come through different means. So right. like Gigan, well, like, Hollow Earth, so they're shooting exactly, up different yeah. places, yeah, yeah exactly. burrowing under, blasting into space, or but like right. that's the sort of like 
and, point zero. And Gargan is like the the description of him is is actually really exciting because you start cool. putting it together. We're like, yeah. oh, he's got scythe hands. Oh, he's got he's flying through the through the air, but he's he's metallic. Yeah. Oh, he has this single red eye. And you're like, oh my god, that's Gargan. So like, actually, he leads us in with that very well. Can I ask, as as mm-hmm. someone who's not uh, super knowledgeable about Godzilla lore, <laughs> like, like this was like my intro to it, and it was the first time I was like, oh, Godzilla can be good sometimes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, cool. Sides. Sometimes he helps us. That's neat. Um, uh, what is uh, what is the as close as there is to canon the canonical origin of Gigan? Gigan's from space. Okay. He's yeah. from the. Is he from the Xylians? The yeah, there was like a second galaxy, like oh, a yeah, dark right. galaxy or something. It's a dark galaxy. Like, didn't he come from? Uh, was his first introduction in Godzilla vs Megalon? I yeah, believe. Yes, yeah, his introduction was in Godzilla vs Megalon, and it was or no, his first it, it was in Godzilla vs Gigan. Oh. And I, then I have a question too that he's that maybe space though. So what look what up. did you think about the etymology of Gigan uh, within the book? M Space Hunter did, Nebula. Uh, like, uh, so it uh, at least I think this was the intent. Oh yeah, in the book, right? Like that just starts naming shit. Well, he the um there's one of the characters is describing Gigan oh, yeah. and uh and it's like and it's like it, you, you, he's describing it up to its up to his death where it's like okay I, like this is my duty as a right. scientist to be described. right and it seems to imply that he's starting to say it's gigantic and as and as he's saying it's gigantic is like when the thing cuts out and he dies yeah. so oh, he says like it's, I didn't even notice that I th- yeah. so I think the intent was oh. him saying like it's gigantic and then it cuts oh, out. Oh, well, that's kind of yeah. cool. Which is kind of cool, but it does seem to imply that the that that he, he should be gigantic. He's pronouncing it gigantic the whole time. <laughs> yeah, Jif. Like yeah, like Jif. Yeah. They, they pause for a while to be like, "Wait, do you say a gigant or gigant?" <laughs> I'm actually surprised there's not a whole chapter dedicated to it. To be honest, they just transcribe it literally wherever the transcription cuts out. It's like that's what he called it. Yeah, yeah. It, it, clearly, he didn't. He couldn't have been saying a, an English word. He must have been saying its name. Uh, I, you know, I, at this point in like watching Godzilla. Films, I just throw my hands up in the air. I say fuck it every because every movie almost. I mean, some movies are canonical, but some are just like, yeah. Well, here is the origin of this guy, and uh, yeah, nothing Gigan makes came sense. from the M Hunter Space Nebula. I remember, That's we right. talked yeah, about yeah, it yeah. in the Megalon one, but and 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 Godzilla versus Gigan came out a, like yeah, a slavish devotion to to this. I guess I was just sort of curious because because these are all monsters that have exist. Like he didn't invent any of these, right? These are all monsters that that already that, that already exist yeah. within. Um, Godzilla lore. Yeah, there was no, there was no newbie in this. There's, there are, they're all, uh, they're, they're all, God, they're all Godzilla villains that you're familiar with. I, I would have liked to see more of the uh, Batra uh, monster because yeah. I mean that's such an underused Godzilla uh, monster in the in the universe, and this is an opportunity he could have used and he didn't. But uh, trap to your point, I did like, I, I thought it was interesting that um, you could almost see the struggle that the author had with trying to name uh, Gigan or, or uh, and giving, you know, introduce the name and why, where, why do we call him that? Yeah. And that was his device to do that. You can tell there's like kernels, like you said, there's kernels of like greatness here because he, he's a competent writer. He's a competent storyteller. And the he first two characters. of these books could be really good. Like just so people, if people that are listening, if they really liked some of these novels before we're not saying anything about the first two we don't know we haven't read those i don't so. even know and i like yeah I, I, as a kid like i read this and didn't even know it was the third in the book was like cool <laughs> yeah. that looks fun I, yeah that's the, <laughs> I'll, I'll figure it out and you don't need to i mean it's like that is something he did well where it's like you didn't need to have read the first two which is good mm-hmm. 
George. Yeah. No, I didn't read. Think, yeah, I, I don't yeah. know. Like, I don't know. But then, so, and I, and I want to, I want to, uh, the, <laughs> the object has been given a name on page 166. The object has been given a name. From now on, refer to it as Gigan. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So they do that. They also, they go to NORAD and over explain NORAD and, and Cheyenne Mountain, <laughs> oh, Colorado. so much about NORAD. I was like, okay, guys. Like, yeah. that, especially I thought that was like, I was laughing to myself because it's like, we learned a lot about it growing up in Denver. But I was like, nobody cares, man. Like, nobody, yeah, we get it. Like, he's just, like, going over our our, our weapons defense mis- stuff and all that. Now, now, where it gets interesting is, and this is, see, this is where this guy is, like, wrestling with what storyline to take it to, is as our blimp is, or, sorry, our airship, Saracini <laughs> no, went it's back. important, isn't it? Wow. Oh, Saracini! <laughs> well, actually. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, as they're descending south, uh, uh, we have, um, they're all starting to come up, and Gigan goes and attacks like a uh, a nuclear center or whatever in Russia, mm-hmm. and he goes to take it out, and uh, and the Russians unleash a nuclear missile. But oh, and Gigan's taking out all the satellites of the world. Yeah. So nobody can communicate. So now our airship is self-contained, and the only really like he does do a good job of like the, he eliminates it down to like the the airship is the only thing that's going to do okay. Then we go through like a series of different scenes. Well, each one more bananas than the last. Uh, that is like we're on the uh, 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 the the Luzon Strait, and a kid sees uh, Manda, uh, and then we go to I mean, like then we meet a Norwegian guy. We I don't know all sorts of fucking shit, and then we go to Russia. Yeah, uh, go on. <laughs> and this is my favorite. <laughs> this is my favorite part. Because this is where it gets super capitalist. So this one Russian guy on a tank is going to take, he really wants to take down Gigan, right? Chevakov. Chevakov. (laughs) Chekov. Chevakov. Not going to go off. Well, I don't think we ever revisit this guy again, but he wants to take it down. And he says, quote, uh, well, I'll give you this little lay-in. Now, as the morning brushed the horizon, Sergeant Chekhov, the head of the fast-moving column of T-72 and T-80 main battle tanks, could see the red fires of the Cosmodrome burning in the distance. Really important to know the there models is. of tanks, by the way. Just, <laughs> exactly. Just, yeah. Here we go, monster, Chekhov cried, shaking his fist at the inferno that flickered on the horizon. <clears throat> Maybe the capitalists cannot kill monsters, but we Russians can! (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Hey, bravo. (laughs) It's the most... I had to put it down and laugh for a while. <laughs> yeah. Oh, can, um, I, I, I was beyond uh, making notes at the time I got oh, to yeah, it. Yeah. Um, uh, I started very diligently, and then after after a while, I was like, I can't. I can't. Every page, I've got something to say about this. Oh, oh for sure. Um, I, I, I hope I, maybe you marked it. My favorite part of this book was um, when they lapse into teen slang for a, a page after i think it maybe is after they they de- defeat batra there's a moment where it was like it's like yeah. that was radical to the oh extreme God, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh i definitely marked it i marked it ned ned yells it because what happens what is, page is it on uh i don't know oh, okay I, I, you don't I, have to i'll, I'll find it. it when i i'll i i'm definitely going to quote it when i find it but he <laughs> uh they they it's when they're going over uh, Chile. So they go to Peru and there's a crazy part where we meet a military guy and they tell us about 
how Peru's democratically elected government isn't being respected by the indigenous. Yeah. (laughs) And how it's how basically this guy like he goes into this guy basically being forced to mow down a bunch of guerrilla fighters Mm -hmm. in Peru. Real, uh, so you can tell his experience in writing, like you know, modern warfare styles of books. He's even um, Mark Mark Cirsini is has uh, has wrote, written a book called "The Complete Idiot's Guide to the U.S. Special Ops Forces." <laughs> yeah, and he's written a lot of twenty-four books. You know, the uh, the series twenty-four yeah. with uh, with what's his name? Um, who's the actor? Did from he that? serve? Uh, oh, Keith. Yeah. Keith. You know, Keith, 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 um. Yeah. So he's really into that special. That's really funny. What am it I does be- have a vibe throughout of like I just learned an interesting fact that yes. I want to share with you. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite uh, things, Haley, and you marked this too in in uh, uh, in the book, which he has these headings. Every time you change a scene, oh, like a, like you're reading a movie script. Every time you change a scene, you have to introduce where you're at, and he he puts the date and the time. Like that's important. But anyway, um, <laughs> one of my favorite scene headings is the world yeah so he's yes! he's just so i'm like so why is this even a heading what's the point of yep, this the entire sunday december 10th 2006 21 p.m eastern standard time the entire world yeah Wait, why did you have to put what time it is if it's the entire world the entire world what time is it <laughs> why does it what reference God, that I, I'm with you. That made me laugh so yeah. fucking hard. And right before that, so basically, what takes out between Gigan attacking the Russians, and at this point, Godzilla's resurfaced. There's a, a ship called the Lucky Dingo with Australians who are oh. selling plutonium to this the North Koreans, and, and Godzilla comes up to eat those tanks, and everybody dies except for one guy who get i don't know guys whatever uh and then uh, then gigan come or i mean then megalon comes up on t- t- 204 guys page 204 this is how long it took uh it got uh, megalon comes out and they give him a cool description this mysterious monster was about 55 meters tall and had a large insect-like head complete with two multifaceted eyes and waving antenna above them in the middle of the creature's hideous face were mandibles <laughs> Here we go. Which opened and closed intermittently for no apparent reason. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I'm a train guy. (laughs) Yeah. Well, no apparent reason. That's why they do it. A machine to do what it's programmed to do. This this unruly monster is just sort of flipping and flapping about. Yeah. It's like a scientist who doesn't give a shit. Like, I observed his mandibles opening and closing for no apparent reason. (laughs) Exactly. And when they talk about the Biolante earlier, I lost my page on that one, but he they say he inexplicably waving up and down. So he says this several times. He doesn't he's very confused about why anybody's doing anything. Why is uh, it doing it? Who gives a shit? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We're going to blow it up. 
<laughs> it's going to be dead soon. Nobody knows it's a monster. It would be crazy <laughs> for you to get super invested in a character that's about to die. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and speaking of death, I'd like to take you guys, I'm going to take it down a notch as Ned, our resident surfer, quote, dude, mm. observes some death. All right, guys? So... As this shit's going on, you know, there's there, Megalon has burst out. They're in Peru and he's destroying shit. And this is Ned watches this. Ned watched in dread as people began to jump out of the burning buildings on the riverfront. They leaped from high windows into the murky waters below. One woman was on fire as she plunged into the water. Ned watched as her corpse bobbed to the surface a final time before sinking beneath the dark waters. Suddenly, Ned didn't think what he was seeing was so, quote, cool (laughs) (laughs) so really makes you think doesn't it yeah you kids like the godzilla but maybe it's not so cool once yeah uh by the way uh real quick i pulled this up this book up on uh, wikizilla.org a great uh compendium of everything godzilla and some of the comments so the, the article doesn't like go into much detail but remember earlier when we were talking about the um, the news president, and he was talking about the politics. We got a comment about that here. Um, he says it's astounding beyond belief. It says the six pages that a news executive spends complaining about the Clinton administration's response to the kaiju attacks in the previous book is one of the strangest moments in any Godzilla story. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! And we got a response to that. Uh, God, uh, from Godzilla. He goes, "I know this comment is old, but that's because Mark Saracini is very conservative." Aha. Uh-huh. I know this because I've seen a lot of things he said on Facebook. And then uh, you got a response three months ago. This happened just a few months ago. Yeah, I figured that out from the aforementioned six pages. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want to follow him to see his like weird right-wing rants. On, I did. On I followed him on Facebook yeah. just to see. Or I, I pulled him up on Facebook just to see. I was like, I got to see what's going on with this guy these days. But... um. Uh, yeah, I mean, it just keeps going, and because he also shits on Greenpeace, yes, a lot. Remember that, yeah. And, I, and then you know what? Uh, you know, personal thing. I was like, yeah, I'm on board. <laughs> 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 yeah, tired of their tired of their shenanigans. Uh, <laughs> this is just so you guys are aware. I would be on the Greenpeace ship, and George would be pointing an Uzi straight at it. <laughs> uh, uh, water cannon for sure. Oh, all right, cool. Yeah, I'd knock you guys off if you <laughs> knock you guys off. <laughs> pick a few of you. <laughs> Enjoy like, the seawater. <laughs> like, hey, maybe there's other things to worry about right now, guys. I mean, in case you haven't noticed, this is taking place in the world. The okay. entire, entire world. world. Uh, what time, though? Yeah. <laughs> Eastern Standard Eastern time. Standard, yeah. And so then in Be- Beijing, they start, uh, Manda starts absolutely laying waste to Beijing. Godzilla shows up, uh, and, and he... Or is this Osaka? No, this is, yeah, this is Beijing. Uh, and, and then Godzilla throws down with Manda. And uh, and that's, he starts heading to, oh, sorry, Shanghai, Shanghai. And so they Godzilla's heading towards it. We know there's going to be a battle going on. Then a, a, a Craig, guys, just so, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. 237, Craig Weedy. INN's famed backpack adventurer and spokesperson for fellow traveler publishing company gets a full fucking introduction, page 237, everybody, as he observes Anguirus for the first time. It made me wonder if if 
any of these characters have been introduced in the first two books. If this was intended to be like a, hey, remember like this wrap guy? It up? Oh shit, maybe. Like, like if it was a, maybe we're fools. We, we, I, I mean, maybe we're the fools. I'm trying to give the benefit of the like, as, particularly with this one. I was like. I was like, this had to have been a character in a previous book because it would be crazy to introduce a character this late. This late, and, and, the, then and how quickly it was. We like, never see him again. Yeah, and 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 just like the speed at which it was like he hosts this show. This is what he does. This is what he thinks. It's, it's like, oh, you're trying to catch me up to speed from something that and I. And that must be what it is. But I don't. I don't know if that's the case. I, I just yeah. sort of. I choose to believe that's the case yeah. for my own well-being. But there's also evidence that that's not because of like the introduction of. <laughs> of just, I'm, try, I'm trying to get the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, no. I'm like no, but then the, then there's like the submarine crew, and it's like well, yeah. I was really invested in those characters that immediately died, and uh, yeah. and that kept happening all throughout the book. You know the uh, uh, you know the the people in Peru who got destroyed and killed, and I'm like I don't even remember their names. I didn't care at that point. I was just checked out. You know what I think it is? This guy's written 42 books. He's a competent writer. His editors, he's a workhorse. So his yeah. editors know if they give him a property, hey man, uh, <clears throat> we, need some, we need some pages. It'll get done. And they trust him that he's going to do a pretty good job. And they, at this point, they're probably in cruise control mode. They're like, look, it doesn't matter. Yeah, this he's going to crank like, them out. These are pulp novels. Yeah, uh, they you, are pulp. You know, you're going to make so. like, you know, 20 grand or 50 grand or whatever per book. And uh, here you go. Here's your money. We don't care. Uh, let's put it out there. And uh, here you go. Give us some so, of that Saracini some, magic. 12 year old on a military base somewhere is Hey. <laughs> hey, there we go. Target acquired. Yeah. Target acquired. I, I got a so. I got a pocket full of disposable income from my paper route, and I'm ready yeah. to buy Aww, a book. Little trap. Yeah. yeah. Hey, if you got the Pacific Stars and Stripes in Seoul, Korea, in 1998 or 1999, that came from me. So you had a freshly published copy. I had. I must have. Yeah. I must yeah. Have That's wow. Published. And so and 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 speaking of that area, uh, this this throwdown uh, with. Manda is pretty fucking cool because Manda they do do use Manda the the long dragon uh, with tiny little legs uh, very well. Manda wraps himself around a skyscraper, which is dope as hell. And then when when Manda fights Godzilla, the Manda fight with Godzilla is very some fun. Cool. Like moments in there, yes, very fucking cool. I was I was a huge fan of that. They cut away from uh, they cut away from them about to fight. In Shanghai, I, I think they end up fighting in Osaka or something like that. But uh, they keep cutting away from it to go back to Craig checking out Anguirus, and then, <laughs> <laughs> and then, but then Anguirus gets into a fucking. So now here's where we're, where we've got like less. We really got eighty pages left, and this is where shit starts getting cool. Uh, so Gigan and. And Anguirus face off, and uh, they they kind of roar. He's like they roar at each other. This is another thing where it's like. They roar at each other for a while. It is him describing a movie with the sound off. like and with, with their maws? Do they roar with their uh, maws? He's roaring with the maws. His maw was wide open. They <laughs> if, splashed around or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> then the, they flapped their feeble arms against each other. Inexplicably, yeah. they were chopping their mouths. In chomping motions, you could see his teeth bend slightly as he bit into <laughs> potentially rubbery <laughs> teeth. Yeah. Guy, he has like so much insight and explanation about humans, but when it comes to monsters, like well, for some reason, yeah, yeah. And they say so that yeah, he says Anguirus pawed the ground. I don't, they do that stuff. His slobbering jaws were wide as he rode up on his hind legs and reached out for the other creature's neck. Uh, so he sank his ivory teeth into Gigan's neck. Uh, Gigan gets stunned. He takes him down. Uh, 
Uh, but the cyborg monster was not finished off yet. They get into it. this. This starts getting cool because then he uses his buzzsaw tummy yeah. on, on Anguirus and starts slicing him up. And that's pretty cool. Underutilized. Yeah, really, really. And so, but then they take him, they basically, they tumble into, oh, this is the best is that they tumble into the sea. And this is definitely a thing where he goes, I got to get to the end of it. Uh, he takes him into the sea and, oh, there it is. As Anquirus inexorably dragged the wounded cyborg into the sea. <laughs> They're like, I don't know. I guess he just has to end up there or something. Well, well, this is going to be, I'm um, actually mean that, 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 but inexorably, that, that's more like inevitably, oh, it? right? It's like, it's like, oh, uh, there's without. I'm an idiot. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Boo me, <laughs> boo me audience. <laughs> Wow. That felt good. <laughs> I deserved that. No, I'm sorry. I I'm a writer, and I should. No, I'm glad you did that because I was like, I, I had the wrong definition. I'm an, I'm an idiot. So, so then Godzilla fights. I want to get us down to where, get us down to the climax here, where Godzilla fights uh, Manda, and he he. Manda start, tr- tries to python him out. Right, he starts to he tries to strangle him. Um, which seems like a good strategy for Godzilla. If great. You're, if you're yeah. a big. If you're a big serpent, it seems like you can like it's like, hey, try to strangle this guy. Yeah, absolutely. And I love it. And and then Godzilla does a pretty fucking dope thing where he drags him out and then he like he basically does the killer move that he does in uh the twenty fourteen Godzilla where he basically breathes his fire breath down Manda's throat yeah, and like melts cool. him, which was yeah. that was very cool. So that kind of gets us past that gets us through our first uh, major battles, but this is like near the end. I was I couldn't yeah, believe it. And at this, this point, it's like Godzilla, bas- like someone gave Godzilla to do list and was like, "Hey, just to let you know, um, you were Gotta supposed to be fighting these. all these monsters." Like, what? No, I've been I've been just paddling around the water. Right. Uh, he's just like popping up all over the place, being like, "Ah, time to fight you now." Yeah, time it, to fight you. Uh, yeah, make any sense? With no explanation of like how he gets from one place. I mean, like beyond, like not. I don't mean like how physically, but just like what is driving him to these places? What is driving him to destroy these monsters? They never. It's just yeah. like. It is just the sort of like, it's like, oh, you're just running around kicking ass, which is fun. But like, if you gave us a little bit more Mm -hmm. time, like do more of this and less of the early stuff. Exactly. That's, that's the fundamental. I mean, that's, that goes back to what you said at the beginning of this whole, uh, this whole episode trap, which is he's a car and truck and train guy, Mm -hmm. uh, not a monster, not a dinosaur guy. Cause, cause a Godzilla fan will think first and foremost about the motivations of the monsters and the motivations of the creatures. Yeah. That's what I care about. That's what I think about all the time, even when I'm sleeping. Um, I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm constantly thinking I'm about thinking monsters. About it, I'm dreaming about it. Bed. Yeah. <laughs> you are. No, I'm, t- I'm thinking about why I would destroy this city and that city. And for me, yeah, it would be different reasons for different times. There's like so many explanations you could give for Godzilla. So in some movies, for example, in Godzilla Raids Again, um, they made it very simple. He said they'd say, that he was attracted to light and that was why he was destroying these cities he was going aboard to these cities and then some movies it's a nuclear source in this one it could be that these monsters are a threat to him but they didn't explain any of that I mean like I want to like rewrite this story almost yeah because like, like, yeah, there's so much potential it's like oh it could be cool to, to, to be like oh like if you if you spend more time with we have unleashed these monsters here they all are in all these parts of the world and then it becomes a sort of like existential threat to Godzilla of this like oh this is like maybe the one thing that could bring you down is is being uh, uh, sort of pushed out of your territory by an invasive species yeah uh, and right. and like yes. now it's like up to you to it's like, it's like hey if you want to survive you have to to, to like kick some ass and take and take back the territory that has been like which would be great yeah I would love that yeah oh the audience 
loves it. <laughs> Thank you, audience. Thank <laughs> yeah, you so much. That's so nice. Uh, sorry that one guy has his dick out. That happens. You know, he's uh, yeah, he's. Uh, <laughs> always, always sitting in the corner there. <laughs> he, you know what though? He's really supportive and doesn't make us pay him. Uh, comes every episode. He comes every episode <laughs> somewhere oh. in the middle. <laughs> um. So and also, so then this is where uh, at the same time. Uh, we go down to Chile, and this is where we get a very incorrect view of Chile in 1998. <laughs> uh, they said that Chile is war-torn and a mess. Chile's uh, uh, civil war was in 1976. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, a solid 22 years before that, they were doing great in 1998, well on their way. They are basically a first world country now. They don't have jungles. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and then they get attacked by Batra. And then, and, and Rodan comes and helps them for some reason. Also for some reason. <laughs> inexplicably. For, inexplicably, but also inexorably in its own way. Yeah. <laughs> Completely destined to be. It was going to it was going to happen. I can imagine him as an observer with all these like monster fights like, you know, a, a great journalist, you know, keeping track, just, writing right. and then just shrugging when he sees the monsters fight like why why do they do anything? Yeah. What? Why Nobody do they do? Nobody really fucking knows. Nobody, yeah, yeah no motivation. I think he sees them as like storms, you know. Yeah. It's like this is this is a tale of the military versus a natural disaster like a exactly. hurricane. That's and exactly. so it's like, oh, yes. it's, like, it's like well, how do you deal with that? It's like it's well the characters are the military and then and then i guess just like some crazy things happen with the wind um yes it's so it's super like and and, and yeah it just it diverts from the things we want to see so then and then we start getting these moments with godzilla and i got started getting angry because i was like why didn't this come 100 pages before mm-hmm. like this is exciting now because godzilla starts fighting hadora the smog monster in osaka and it's dope as fuck because hadora starts launching fucking poison gas and shit like that and this is this this is like this is the stuff that for me as a kid was like oh hell yeah Yeah, it's like it's like a slightly different monster with slightly different abilities that is like you can gas that you have to like it's like oh fun yeah Uh, he's sludgy he can reform yeah that's fucking cool as hell yeah it's like oh you did it's like do you have a plan for this kind of monster yeah thank you exactly meanwhile like the airship (laughs) (laughs) is going down they've taken some some of the some of the military with them from Peru um, and they're headed to South America at some point Rob they aren't sure whether they need to get on the ship or not because this one guy has he's the he's the de facto uh, uh, highest rank and he doesn't know what to do and then Robin comes down and goes come on get on board G.I. Joe uh, literally is what she says and uh, and so they're headed to, to Antarctica Shelly uh, who is the one Shelly starts then having <sighs> fucking hell Shelly starts having fucking crazy <laughs> dreams <laughs> yeah. about Mothra yeah look, I don't know you guys it, uh, look uh, in conclusion unless you, there's anything else you want to add <laughs> we gotta wrap this thing. yeah I'm just I know, like we really we gotta wrap this up here's, here's what happens yeah Shelly gets these fucking dreams about Mothra. Mothra says, it's your job you're gonna fucking fix the world she can go down to Antarctica they find Zoe she's kind of an insect person because she merged with the Kamakuris who were the praying mantises and and she has crystal hair and it's a crystal city and it kind of reminds you of King of the Monsters but not really and then you're like oh yeah that's Zoe and then and then they use a very shoehorned in thing about that you're not uh, just living in your dad's shadow uh, come on Zoe break free 
And then I don't even remember, does she live or die? I, I honestly I don't remember. It doesn't really matter. Godzilla <laughs> Godzilla comes down there. There's aliens in a tank that are artificially asleep. They're awakened. They go away. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's so much that happens at the end. And there's nothing that happens at the beginning. The pacing yeah. of this is so crazy. It's like it's an encyclopedia for 200 pages. Then it's like, all right, the story. <laughs> I, yeah, I would almost... Uh, you know, it, it, the thing, the big note I would say for this book is I would start it at page 200. Yes. Because none of it matters before. No. None of it. And then start, just start at page 200. And then it's a solid 120 pages of like enough exposition and then decent action at the end. That's Absolutely. like a good balance. Skip the two first, first 200 pages. That's how you read this book. That's how you read. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There's the advice. Yeah, if, if you are curious advice. about what happens at this book, you truly can just read like. Yeah. Because yeah. in most that. Godzilla movies, the monsters show up, and it's not that important how or why. They're just there, and then at some point, you know, they fight, and they have an explanation of, like, you know, what their motivations are within the movie, but... Where does a Gigan come from? He comes from another galaxy. Do you like who cares? Like, mm-hmm. do you need to know? Oh, okay. What if they say it's a planet? What if it's Krypton? What if it's it doesn't matter? Yeah. Uh, so, all this exposition, all the setup, all the everything you get more explanation on the back of the book for what and the yeah. monsters are doing the, yeah. when they say, like, like horrified at finding their world infected with a human plague, blah 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 blah. Um, but like. I don't think that ever appears in the book. And that that at least is like, that's like, oh, that's a motivation for what's going on here. <laughs> exactly. Or if they do, it's not until you like get into that crystal city at the very, very end. At it's the like, very by end. By the way, the this is why we've been in town. Yeah, exactly. Why did that come so late? And so it, so in conclusion, uh, bef- uh, I'd like to read one last uh, uh, weigh-in by the fans on, on Godzilla.fandom.com. Yes, please. I'm just going to read a couple exchanges because they're all along the same route. Um, this person asks, does anyone here know the theme of this book? <laughs> 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 and then somebody writes, what do you mean by theme and what do you want to know? That's an oddly specific question about a book nobody here has probably ever read. <laughs> then, can I Can I guess? Yeah. Uh, I'm guessing that this is someone who is doing like a book report uh-huh. and, oh, yes. and, uh-huh. and like third grade it's like pick any book and then tell us what the theme was yeah. and this kid picked poorly <laughs> so poorly mm-hmm. especially because the person that legitimately tried to answer them wrote I read it it's a frozen city <laughs> what a hey, theme uh, checks out and then yeah. Uh, then because there's there's three little conversations that go fast. I like this book, love the characters and the monsters. The only thing that bugged me was that Mothra didn't really help at all. She could have at least fought Megalon. And then somebody, <laughs> oh my god, you guys! <laughs> oh no, this is so good. This writes itself. Somebody, res- the person responded, or a person responded. <laughs> I'm going to fail. I don't apart. turn in this book report. Apart. <laughs> it's 3 a.m. Someone tell me what the theme of this book is. <laughs> I screwed up. All right. Honestly, honestly, I, please, up. I chose the worst possible book. I, who's the protagonist? Someone please. <laughs> someone tell me. <laughs> someone tell me where the first act break is. And then, and then, here's the last one. Last conversation is, why is Biolante on the cover if she's not in the book? And somebody wrote on and took a line for each word. I have no 
idea. (laughs) 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 And and somebody else wrote, she isn't. (laughs) And then uh, the rest rest goes on. But it seems that our theme person jumped off at some point. Somebody tell me the theme. Tell me the theme. (laughs) (laughs) That's my favorite thing of all time. Um, So great. Can I share just two choice pieces of writing absolutely these are not long these are just because these are just from my notes these are just um these are more idioms than anything else um he describes one character as having a skull-like face (laughs) 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 because i I really enjoyed it because i feel like in a way everyone has a skull-like face well wait a second i know specifically what he's talking about because like there's a so i watch nhk uh and nhk has like this uh japanese news report and there is a news anchor on there where i look at her and the best way to describe her face is (laughs) skull-like like like, you can tell you know some people you can see and you you know what their skeleton looks like like you you know they it's like too much (laughs) Anyway, that's what I think he was. That's fair. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, The other, (laughs) the other other is is this simile, which you know when you have uh, you know descriptive writing, it's of course important to like, especially like for 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 genre fiction. It's like, hey, we're going to be describing something that you've never seen in your entire life. You're hearing things, you're seeing things that you haven't seen. So it's important. Um, with with these similes to to draw comparisons to things that you are of course familiar with to to so that you understand. Um, he describes something as being a sound like a watermelon being struck with a hammer. Which I which like I guess I can kind of imagine what that sounds like, but it's not a sound. It was like oh right that old sound that we all know. <laughs> The one who's the comedian? Gallagher. 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 Yeah, is like a, a Gallagherian. <laughs> a Gallagherian sound. Yeah. Gallagherian <laughs> smash. <laughs> with a with a smash as great as a Gallagherian strike. <laughs> and I'm trying oh, to I think. Like it. I don't even know what that sounds like. What a weird simile. Yeah. I don't know. Well, this. I mean, he did do a, a brief stint as a watermelon smasher. That's true. That was yeah. also the last note I made to myself. So I must have gotten ex- so very exhausted. Like, Fuck this. Yeah, I'm well, uh, Trav, thank you so much for yeah. for reading this no, giant. Thank you for putting up <laughs> with this because I'm sure most of the time when you have an episode, it's like, yeah, I'll watch a 90 minute movie. <laughs> yeah. I'll sit back. Yeah. I'll I don't know, maybe get a little high or something. This will be. Hell's, a, a, that's what I normally do. It, yeah. like, I'm sure usually it's a breeze, and instead I <laughs> made you read. This oh my god, I'm so book. no, I'm so happy you did because honestly, there's a lot of times where uh, our listeners really like to us. We did a comic recently, and people loved that we chose that so it's really good that we're doing other mediums we're so glad that you did and uh i'm so excited to see uh uh ultra mechatron team go yeah yeah there we go i was like pulling it back up and i was like now i've looked at all of these monster names for the past hour again we were chatting about it the 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 key to a successful uh successful show is give it a name that is complicated and hard to remember hard to spell hard to pronounce damn straight well godzilla's (laughs) got plenty of those monsters there's like there's different names in different countries and all that all that stuff i cannot wait to see it uh i i've gotten a couple glimpses at it and you guys i mean we're talking 
great kaiju battles in the city. Buildings yeah. getting knocked over. I am so freaking excited. So so check it out. Go to College Humor. Subscribe to their channel. Uh, it's like a. It's a not even much per month. How, how much is it per uh, month? It, this it'll be on Dropout. I think it, right oh, now it's out. like four ninety nine a month. It's, it's, it's so cheap. It's, I, I'm, it's totally I'm, worth I'm, it. It's like less if you get the whole year or something. I don't. The 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 things. I think are that's what cheap, I did. It's I did the year. It's cheap. It's yeah. not too expensive. It's not. It's and it's so worth it. I enjoy all the shows because also if you guys you guys are all uh, uh, big Godzilla nerds like us, but you're also probably a nerds in other properties and you can see um yeah. actually which is another show that you guys do and it's a super fun one so definitely subscribe to that and mike i should say uh not to blow sunshine up your ass but i've said this in the past uh multiple times with no college humor people in the room but i say this that college humor has some of the most consistently funny sketches Absolutely. i've seen online Thank you so much just one after another they're just knockout hilarious yeah stuff. the quality always stays high yeah. it's Thank amazing you, so you guys much. do such good work over there and uh and and it's so exciting to have you and have having you in the midst of the Ultra Megatron uh, show about yeah, to come out. Yeah, thank you for taking the time uh, Thank yeah. you Absolutely. so much. It just fits really into our stuff. So now before we go, we'd like to ask you, Trap, what is the Trap Kaiju? Yeah. Um, it, I mean, it would probably be something that was highly dependent on attention. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I, I have to imagine, you know, if, I, if I'm thinking like, wow, what sort of animal base, like what is it? I feel like some kind of like dolphin any type thing oh that's God, just gonna that's be like great. like jumping yeah, around. maybe like yet. real reflective just shining light everywhere blinding oh, people but like good. demanding attention a demanding attention but then blinding you I mean if you're blind yeah. then you could then and then maybe like if you're made of that crystal you can slice your enemies oh hell yeah crystal yeah. <laughs> Ooh, I love that's it cool. okay Thomas Perkins yeah right oh is baby. that your is that your your it illustrates every he's uh, an amazing he's artist an amazing, yeah. he's an Emmy winning artist that we, wow. we are lucky enough to have as a fa- fan of this podcast and he draws all of the kaijus uh everybody can draw the kaijus remember yes. guys all of you can draw the kaijus and we we're pa- not all thomas perkins yeah Th- thomas is amazing but we sometimes have fans who do interpretations of his interpretation yes <laughs> which are hilarious which are great yeah uh, so fantastic keep work. that fan art coming oh and also the voicemail if you guys want to leave a voicemail yes. go to madcastmedia.com click on any godzilla versus podcast zero episode and the voicemail number is at the bottom of the page click on it uh leave us a voicemail i listen to every voicemail even if we don't always play them uh and I usually play most of them, even yeah, the, the really one weird last ones. Last week was really great, uh, very really bizarre. Really someone, someone just called and asked us our opinions on the Palestine versus Israeli conflict. Okay. Uh, yeah, so it was you know. It was so this isn't our first foray into politics. No, it turns out. <laughs> oh. uh, and uh, and trap. Where can people find you? Um, they can find me on Twitter at Mike W Trap. That's the thing I'm and most active on. Two P's, right? It is two P's. Yes, two P's. Um, and uh, yeah, you can see my stuff on College Humor and on Dropout, which is our our subscription service, and. Um, uh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you can follow us at zero underscore Godzilla. That's Z-E-R-O underscore Godzilla. Or f- follow me at, at Haley Mancini. And I'm at Maddox Rules on Twitter. And I think Insta- no, Instagram is real Maddox. But well, yeah, yeah. Well, well, you know, all the things. But, all uh, the things. Yeah. Thanks again, guys. Until and, next time. Uh, until next time. Yeah. I'm George. I'm Haley. I've invited you here to discuss something that's very important. <laughs>